You're listening to the Brooklyn USA podcast, an occasional audio love letter from Brooklyn to the world. Each episode of our show walks a different line of life in Brooklyn, telling New York stories in the voice of the people. And this week, we're lifting every voice from here to Hawaii as the nation decides what comes next. By the time the early voting window closed in the city, over one million New Yorkers had cast their ballot. Almost 400,000 of us did so in Brooklyn, after waiting anywhere from five minutes to five hours in lines that snaked around parking lots, armories, temples, and arenas. In Park Slope, voters were treated to live chamber music played by their generous and talented neighbors. And at the Barclays Center, the Brooklyn United Marching Band and Drumline welcomed the borough's earliest voters to opening day at the polls. The less musically inclined provided long lines of strangers with water, snacks, folding chairs, and words of encouragement as an army of volunteers helped the rest of us cast our vote. Yes, go over here. Thank you very much. And send me, keep sending me people. I'm going to be right here. you right off the court. Thank you. I suspect that by the time this comes out, we'll know little more about who won the big prize in the 2020 general election than we do right now. Matthias, M-A-T-H-I-A-S. So instead of spending the episode speculating, or recounting all the wrongs that we've come to vote against, we're checking in with our community, both here at home and across the country, on what it was like to cast a ballot in the messiest election that we hope we ever live through. And as we wait on Pennsylvania, and Florida, and everywhere else, and pour over stats and numbers ticking by, we pray. And we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. Every day. See you at the crossroads in Brooklyn, USA. Thank you for coming out. Of course, thank you so much for working the table. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hi, my name is Kyla Primus. I'm 19 years old, and this is my first year voting. I voted in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm currently speaking to you from my house. I was sent a mail-in ballot, but I decided to vote in person, and I voted early this year. Overall, the voting process was shorter than I thought it would be. It happened in about a five-minute time span just from walking in to walking out the door. I went on a date when it was raining, so once we got there, we could just walk right in, I didn't have that fast poll ID card that they sent, but I just told them my name and they gave me a, a form, looked me up, and I was in and out. There were a lot of older people and younger people there, and you could tell that the older people in the community were just really happy to see younger people voting. And on the bright side, I got a free pen, a sticker, and a wristband. The most surprising part of my first time voting was just how simple the process was and how quick it was, too. On the news, you see a lot of people were waiting in long lines in other states. Some people were just standing out in the cold. There's even the story of a person who flew back to their home state just to make sure that their vote was counted. But when I went, and this could have been due to the rain or just how simple the process was, I was in and out in five minutes. 
and the ballot was really simple to find out and it's just like hearing about voting and seeing like everything going on with the campaigning and the tension that goes on between the two political parties it's just so weird to walk in there and see that all you really do is scribble in a ballot put it in and leave I'm not naive enough to believe that you know just one person's vote could be the thing that tips the scale but in my first time voting I kind of just felt like Like, by getting out there, I was able to do my part. Yeah, it's another civic duty, like, the same as, like, when I'm finally going to get that letter for jury duty. But for some reason, something that decides the next four years, at minimum of your life, kind of seems important. There's a saying that the political is personal. I voted this year because I wanted the opportunity to decide what type of country I would be living in for the next four years. A lot of the people my age I knew who didn't vote this year told me that it was because they felt like their voices wouldn't be heard or it didn't really matter if they did or didn't. But I'm not someone who will leave life up to chance like that. In addition, it was also my first year, so I was just curious to see what the process would be like. Ultimately, voting for the president decides the next four years of your life. There are a lot of different conversations going on about what we want our country to look like, especially in such a delicate time. There's a lot of voices speaking out and up, and in my first time voting, I wanted to be one of the voices to be heard as well. Five to ten minutes is all it takes to make a conscious influence on the society in which you live. With this right, we're afforded the ability to have our voices be heard, and it's not something that I want to take for granted moving forward. I see myself continuing to be an active voter in the elections to come, and even on the smaller scale where changes can also be made in our communities. The Workers' Justice Project is a Brooklyn-based immigrant laborers advocacy group. Many of the folks they work with are a part of the 11 million people in our country who can't vote due to their immigration status. A few of their members shared their Election Day thoughts with us. Mi nombre es Pedro Auquilla. Soy miembro del Proyecto Educación Laboral. Tengo más de 20 años viviendo... My name is Pedro Auquilla, and I'm a member of Workers' Justice Project. I've been in this country for more than 20 years, and since I came here, I have given my best years to rebuild this country during the worst crises. In 2001, I worked to clean Ground Zero in Manhattan, the areas that were affected by the September 11th terrorist attacks. In 2012, I had to clean and rebuild houses that were affected by Hurricane Sandy in the coastal areas of Brooklyn, like Coney Island, and Breezy Point in Queens. In 2020, I kept cleaning during the pandemic. However, this pandemic has been very hard for me because I got sick and I couldn't work for many months. I lost my job. Despite everything I've given to this country, I was left alone when I needed it the most. I was alone without health insurance, without economic relief, almost dying. This government ignored me, excluded from any possible help that I could get. My hope is that we are recognized for the contributions that we make to this nation. 
those who can vote, I ask them to vote thinking of us for a long-lasting change. My name is Vicente Romano. I'm a member of Workers' Justice Project. I'm from Mexico, and I came to the United States 20 years ago. I work in construction, and I have been working throughout the pandemic, although many of my co-workers have not worked. We're living through one of the worst crises to affect us, emotionally and physically. Many families are being separated while others are very sick. We've been living more than 200 days without economic relief. This government has criminalized us, has dehumanized us, has excluded us. We're living with fear and without protection. This election is so important for our survival and our existence. Vote for your families and our communities. Vote so we can continue to fight. Your vote is our hope to live without fear and with humanity. Buenas tardes, mi nombre es Ivonne Hernández. Soy trabajadora de limpieza. Vivo en Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. My name is Ivonne Hernández. I am a house cleaner and I live in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I am a member of the Workers' Justice Project. I have witnessed the reality that we have to live as essential workers in the city of New York. I lost my job and my husband got very sick. And I have been more than 200 days without economic relief. This government has excluded us, ignored us, has forgotten us without any help. And we have been suffering, especially us workers. My dream is to be able to live with dignity and without fear. My hope is a change and the people who can vote has the power to decide our future. Vote for the millions of workers that cannot vote because your vote means the ability to fight. Mi nombre es Moises Velázquez. Vivo en Sunset Park, Brooklyn. My name is Moises Velázquez and I live in Sunset Park, Brooklyn and I'm a member of the Workers' Justice Project. A year ago, I came to this country with the hope to provide for my family and to provide a better future to my kids. Since I arrived here, I've worked in construction, and due to the pandemic, many have lost their jobs, and many others, like me, have to work in two jobs to be able to survive and provide to their family. During the day, I paint the rooms of sick people in the hospital, and at night, I deliver food to the people who have the privilege to work from home. Despite the fact that we are essential workers, this government treats us as criminals when we are the ones who give life to this country. Without us, there is no economy. My hope is that during this election, the people will vote for a government that will bring some hope and fight for our rights. Vote so that we all have the same rights. Vote for the 11 million of us that cannot vote. 
So my name's Gene Woodbury. I'm just sitting at my desk right now in front of my iPad. I've been at my desk a lot this week. I work for a queer rights nonprofit in Arizona, and it's been a really busy week getting ready for the election. I voted by mail this year. I've voted by mail for eight years now, and I think in Arizona it's just sort of de rigueur to vote by mail. Most people are on the permanent early voter list, and that's what I've done since I first registered. So this year, just like every other year, my ballot came in the mail. I filled it out, and I walked it over to the blue box by my house, and that was kind of that. felt a little anticlimactic or quotidian, you know, in the middle of a really monumental election season. Probably that's how voting should feel. I don't know. It's just this year, one of the big challenges was there were about 49 judges on the ballot in Maricopa County. Uh, But what we saw was, I think, a really good community response around sharing and crowdsourcing resources on, on those ballot questions. Yeah, so my name is Erica Lazama. I'm a volunteer lead for Black Chef Movement, which is an organization that that collects um, local volunteers and local chefs to really feed people at protests. And today we're volunteering at Feed the Polls. Yeah, and we're, we're located in Brooklyn. Um, we're New York-based, looking to expand into other states. I voted about a month ago early in Virginia. So I'm originally from Virginia, and they opened up early voting in mid-September. So it took me two minutes. I went at like 8 in the morning, in and out quickly. Everything was social distance and safe, so great experience. Yeah, it's definitely like a mixture of anxiety and hope. Like. I, I love to see how there's so many people out here supporting the movement and supporting just getting people out to vote and getting their voices heard. But just with everything that's going on with COVID and racial injustice, like there's definitely a lot of anxiety around what's going to happen and what our future of this country looks like. Mainly we've been seeing a lot of community members coming together to support people and have food and fun and like drink warm drinks for people so they could go in and vote safely and have a treat. I'm a retiree speaking to you from my house located about seven miles south of Santa Fe, New Mexico. My wife and I just moved here in midsummer from Colorado, and for the last few months we've been busy establishing our New Mexico identity by registering to vote, by getting a driver's license, registering our cars, getting utilities set up, etc. And we're used to the universal voting by mail in Colorado. So having to apply for an absentee ballot in New Mexico was a new experience for us. Um, We were grateful that New Mexico allowed anyone to apply for an absentee ballot, but there was a bit of hassle in that process um, as well. There, there was some confusion, ironically, that was caused by the many organizations that were trying to help us um, obtain um, an absentee ballot. Um, that didn't cause a problem directly for us, but some people here in New Mexico had problems and their uh, requests were denied because they submitted more than one request for an absentee ballot. So that was a an element of confusion in the process. Um, I wanted to drop my ballot off at the Santa Fe 
County building uh, in mid-October because of the issues with the mail slowing down these days. But when I got there, there was a crowd at the door, security people, people coming in and out. um, And I decided, um, because the COVID-19 cases in New Mexico were beginning to spike, that I would just go across the street and drop my ballot and my wife's ballot off um, at an outdoor drop box at the downtown Santa Fe post office. Um, I was a little disappointed, but um, I figured with the time we allowed, everything would be fine. And it has been. Both, um, both ballots have been accepted, but curiously, uh, mine was accepted on um, October 16th, and my wife's ballot wasn't accepted until five days later on October 21st. And it's not clear if this was the result of the uh, slowdown postal service or um, or the, the time it just took the county clerk's office to uh, to process um, the many ballots that were coming in. But it's something that I, that we've both wondered about. I'm I'm usually beaming with civic pride after I vote, but this time I felt quite anxious um, after voting because of what's at stake in this election. Um, The democratic norms and the rule of law that I've just taken for granted my whole life. Um, If the president is reelected, I'm really fearful that the country that we've come to know Um, will be fundamentally changed. And I would be uh, incredibly sad and incredibly threatened by that kind of transformation. Hi, my name is Aksa Mahmood, and I currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia. It's the weekend before Election Day, and I am staring at the front page of the newspaper. Here are the headlines. Long lines mark smooth final day. Headline, contact tracing efforts run into heavy resistance. Headline, few problems reported at polls as early voting wraps up. Headline, some voters struggle to verify on website that ballot was counted. Glitches occur and uncertainty doubts on integrity of election. Headline, Governor Kemp isolates after COVID exposure at political rally. Headline, process STEMI's many poll worker applicants. Headline, 285,000 in states still lack power after hurricane. On this one page, the words are competing in size of font and thickness. It's an erratic spray of ink and screams. This is life in the pandemic. This is life three days before election day. This is the front page glimpse of life in the American South. Atlanta, Georgia is fascinating. I'm living in a blue beacon within the Sun Belt. I recently moved here, and as someone who's lived the last decade of life in the safety of blue states, I had forgotten and unconsciously adopted the narrative of so many Northeast liberals. 
I washed away the South to only its infractions, its worst. But in doing so, we do a disservice and are complicit in erasing the phenomenal impact of this region in pressing our nation forward in equality, equity, and civil rights. The most prominent names are from here. John Lewis was my congressional representative. I lived down the street from Martin Luther King Jr.'s childhood home and church. I turn a corner and there are markers of the Southern Christian leadership. My streets are marked with heroes. Ralph David Abernathy, Sir Nona Clayton, John Wesley Dobbs, Hosea Williams, Joseph E. Boone. The list goes on. I'm reminded not to do a disservice to their memories by just washing the South as backwards and racist. Acknowledge that this region, the city, is also the churning cauldron of activists who have and will inspire national change. We have and will change your world. I am also saying, living here during these times, that the criticism of the South is valid. In the positions of power, there is so much done to suppress, silence, and discount the voice of the people. I do not understand what the powerful are so afraid of. But I can say this. There is an activism brewing, fighting against the structural inequality and issues of inequity. And that is the strange, heartbreaking, and inspiring energy of the South. With a focus to this election, I have been volunteering these last months. A year ago, I decided to move here. Isn't that what we're always saying? What if the Northeast liberal just packed up and moved to that state where it would count? That wasn't my impetus, but it was on my mind. I've been volunteering as a poll watcher for a voting location in Atlanta. The city is pouring with energy and excitement. You can't go a day without seeing markers. It's the signs on yards. Yeah, we have yards in the city. It's the graffiti, which functions like a newspaper. Early voting locations are popping up in spaces like art museums. Arenas that hosted the Lakers are now filled with booths. This city is giving its all. I walk in and have never seen such young poll workers. They took off days from work to do this. As a poll watcher, I observe and record incidents, situations of frustration where the voting process fails. After the last few weeks, I am a mix of emotions. I'm in awe and proud of my city, the voters, poll workers, volunteers, the artists, businesses, organizations. But after watching the polls, I am scared. I am disappointed at the system. I am learning the different faces of voter suppression, and at the top of that list is failure of the government in its responsibility to process registrations. These are voters who registered and did their part. They filled out forms by deadlines drawn in administrative ink. They stood in lines. They provided the ID you asked for, and then somehow their name isn't in the system. And when the poll manager calls the county, the first response seems to be provisional ballot. Fact, this does not solve the situation. Sending these votes into the abyss of not counted, but maybe, is not a solution. It is not the answer to the ineptitude and failure of a government to process online registration forms. It is not an answer to the government punching in wrong numbers and keys so the voter's registration doesn't match the information they provided. It's not an answer for the government failing to accept updates to registrations. 
It is not an answer for a government's mailroom to be processing delays. I am scared because the ask of the voter in this election is not to please go vote. The ask of the voter is to please go stand in line and, if need be, fight to get that ballot into your hand. My polling location had a phenomenal poll manager and workers, but they also came from from professional backgrounds, project managers and lawyers, which empowered them to fight back against the county's first response of provisional ballot. I hope every polling location has a polling manager and staff like mine, but their votes today counted because they did more than their job. But I also know that this is unlikely, and there are ballots which will be sitting there in the abyss when all is said and done. There's more I could say about those who show up to register on site and are turned away. Polling locations near churches servicing the homeless population and how any from here are turned away. And in those cases, even the best of all poll workers can't do anything for them. Those are probably the darkest moments to know this country turns its back and pretends your existence is not value enough. Overall, I am curbing this anxiety by volunteering. I am exhausting myself every day to sleep. I am hopeful. I am scared. I am meditating every morning and watching every sunrise. I just want us to be better. I just want us to build something better. Hi, it's Yona from San Francisco, and um, I'm just finishing up with my ballot. I'm going to fill in my vote right now for um, Kamala Harris as our vice president, and um, also that guy Joe Biden as president. Well, Rollerball doesn't sound very interesting on the radio, but that's what it was. Uh, here's something satisfying. I can pull off my... So what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to pull off the voter stub, and apparently that will be what I can use to verify and track my ballot. Now I have to insert the ballot into the envelope, um, and... I guess I declare under penalty of purchase I'm a resident of San Francisco proceeding with voting. I'm a voter who envelope. I have not applied for nor intend to apply for voter mail. And the other agent, yes, that's true. Um, and I guess this is the critical thing is that I need to put on, I need to do the signature just like I've signed the voter form. Which I'm pretty consistent on, but, you know, it makes me anxious. But obviously I'm going to track it to add the date, which is the 29th of October. And here we go. I hope they verify that, but um, I'll track it. Now I'm going to walk it downtown to make sure that it gets counted. My name's Rachel Weinberger, and I am in front of the Brooklyn Museum right now. So I actually voted on Wednesday.
Wednesday, but I came out today with my family and friends to support the people who are voting today. And actually, I was part of the reason I voted early is because I wanted to avoid the long election day lines, but I guess a lot of other people had the same idea that I had. So there's not much of a line, but there's a lot of enthusiasm and people are out. There's been music, there's food, there's good cheer. So that's the scene. What was I feeling? Um, you guys paying attention? Because they're asking me who I am, where I am, and now they're asking me what was going on. They have a journalism assignment today. I was feeling um, hopeful and pessimistic at the same time about the state of our country and the politics herein. Well, I just feel like in these times it seems that um, a lot of our democratic institutions and the democratic process is being hijacked. Um, I think, you know, the last four years have been sort of a, a real repudiation of the values of democracy as I've understood them. And, you know, I'm very hopeful that we can, you know, get the country back on track. Um, my name is Zev. Isaac Hyphenyaski, and I'm here at the Brooklyn Museum with my mom and friends. Um, Hi. We did, didn't vote today, but we came to give food to people in line, but no one was voting. So. We think they already voted. Yeah, I am 10 years old, turned in the middle of the summer. I don't know those things. I know, I know my name, but I don't know the things. My name is Jojo, and I'm five at the museum. Okay, so you know the answers. And why are we here? Do you remember why we came out today? To vote. Vote, right. Support the voters. My name is Beatrice Swinton, and I live at 107 Claremont Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11205. And I'm angry because I didn't get my absolute ballot, you know, and the age I am, I thought I was supposed to get it, and I'm angry that I didn't get it. But I'm going anyway to vote tonight. You know, my call from the Senate told me, they told me they're going to send, that was two weeks ago, and I've been calling ever since last week to find out where my ballot at, because I didn't want to have to get on no line. And it never sent it to me. I didn't want to vote in person, you know, because I can't do all that standing up, you know. So I didn't want to, I just wanted to take my ballot in there and drop it in there and come on back home. You know, that's what I wanted to do. When I talked to the person there, they had told me gonna be here in three days. You know, they asked your name, you know, your birthday, all that stuff. But then, then they, and then the Thomas said, Ms. Swinton would be here in three days. I waited three days. I waited, I really waited five days because my daughter kept telling me, Ma, it's gonna come. You know, don't worry, it's gonna come. They told you three days, it's gonna come. And it ain't come, so that was five days. And then I called them. They don't even see it in, in this thing that I called them. You know, that's the part I didn't understand, you know. They trying to tell me where I supposed to go to vote at, the Mason Temple out here. I say, I already know where to vote at. All I want to know where is my ballot, because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to fill it out and just take it there and drop it. I'm hoping for, for Trump to get out the chair. I want Biden to win. That's what I want. What are my thoughts were last one Trump? He wasn't no good president. That's for one thing. That's why we're in the jam we're in now, you know. I don't like Trump, period. You know, cause I don't like the things he says out his mouth to be a president, you know what I mean? To be a president, I don't like what he says out of his mouth, you know, to be, to be the president. I've never heard of the, the words he's saying. 
about people the way he they say things, you know. All, all of my 82 years, I ain't never heard nothing, nothing like it, you know what I mean? The, you know, they nailing up the stores, they're putting boards up beside the windows, everywhere, you know, so, because they think it's going to be a riot, Some, something's going to happen, you know. Wh whoever went, I guess, I don't know, they think something's going to go on. I, I ain't never seen nothing like that before, you know. Doesn't my son ask me, call me on the phone, mom, you ever seen like that in your life? I said, no, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. They nailing up stores, windows, and things because they think something's going to happen. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, I want him to be out of the chair. When, when I voted, when he, when he was elected, I voted for, uh, what a name? Um, Hillary. I ain't vote for no Trump. When I went to sleep, because I, I just knew he was going to win, I said, Lord, let me go to sleep because this, like this man going to win. And he did, and I woke up that next morning, and he did win for president. Now I want him out. That's it. Hi, my name is Alejandrina Guzman. I use she, her pronouns. I am a Mexican-American uh, disabled woman. I'm recording from Azul, Texas, which is by Fort Worth. And I actually voted in Austin. Uh, that was a whole process. Um, the hardest piece of everything was actually getting to my polling place. This year, I... Uh, did curbside voting for the first time. And uh, my whole process was the day that I planned to vote, uh, my parents t drove me to uh, Austin. It was over 200 miles away of a drive. And once I got there, uh, one of my good friends met up with me and uh, we decided that the most accessible and efficient way to get to the polling place uh, while I you know, am using my electric wheelchair was to just zoom there an additional 1.1 miles away. And uh, we did that. That was a whole adventure uh there would be some areas of the street where the sidewalk was cracked or messed up uh there would also be other areas of the street where there would be no sidewalks at all and um sometimes even just random things lying on the ground and my friend would just kick them out of the way uh, and then also we ran into uh, overgrown shrubs. Uh, that was that was pretty funny, uh, but I was really lucky, right, that I had that opportunity to go because my friend was there, my parents drove me, and um, it was not raining. It was not cold. Once I got to the polling place, it was a smooth process, very quick. The poll workers were very kind. The ballot machine was accessible to me. Uh, it's just, you know, it all happened to work out and uh, super grateful for that. I went to vote because I am disabled, not disposable. And I acknowledge that this voting process is one piece of the entire puzzle. Um, the system is... Um, ableist, it's racist, and, uh, you know, I do know that so many incredible organizers and activists have been fighting uh, for justice, have been fighting for equity, um, in not just in, in the electoral process, but beyond, and we wouldn't even be here without all of their work and, and people who came before us, um, 
so it's a it's a big it's a big thing and again just really emphasizing that uh disabled people are here disabled people have always been here and we're gonna continue to fight and um fight for all of our communities and fight for everyone so yeah thank you so much Hi, this is Elizabeth Corwin, pacing around my living room in Tampa, Florida, in Hillsborough County, which is often considered pivotal in presidential elections. My precinct is a super voting precinct. We're usually at the top of the county precincts for voter turnout. Um, this year, or as of noon today, our turnout is 15 to 18 points higher than it usually is, and there are a dozen other precincts that have a higher turnout than we do, which is fantastic. People seem to be really engaged this year, and um, that's great. I have been a, a poll greeter. I was a poll greeter for the 14 days of early voting, and I will be a poll greeter this afternoon. People are just rushing into the polls. It's exciting. I hope that we will turn this country around. I think we made some bad choices four years ago. And I worry that people will just vote for the top of the ballot and not the down slate candidates who are worthy of our attention and so important to our daily lives. The county commissioners, for example, and and sheriffs and tax collectors and those who who really do affect our daily lives. I think that there's heightened awareness this year about the presidential elections, but I don't know that that translates down. And I hope that everyone will get out and vote, and I hope to see this country take a different turn this year. And I hope there won't be any violence. I'm, I'm a little worried about anger. I'm a little worried about the amount of guns we have in this country and military equipment that's been given to the police and the sheriffs. And I hope that we get through the next few days without some sort of insurrection. Thanks for asking me to comment. Bye-bye. Did anybody vote this weekend? Yeah. I didn't. I, I'm going to try and go, I think, during the week, maybe tomorrow, see, yeah. see the lines are. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon was my... But if everyone had that thought, well, then that was my exact instinct too, and I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah, Tuesday just seemed like. Well, because Monday <laughs> is the day that everyone who didn't go over the weekend was going to go, so Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> but if we all thought well, that, weather, it's going to be really crappy today, so maybe that'll. Yeah. True. Um, are, Charlie, are you Barclays? No, I'm the Masonic Temple on Lafayette. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's really cool. Super cool. Yeah, man, this is already this week is gonna be crazy. I, I don't know if you guys are feeling it already, but just uh, getting intense. Say more. <laughs> Which yeah, what what? I'm just you know getting on Twitter this morning and just 
uh, yeah, I mean, it's like just insane that we're approaching this fork in the road that's like so huge. And there's like a lot of people starting to be like, if Biden wins and like, you know, if this and like, I'm definitely, I don't know, that that seems like a scary, scary mental exercise to start playing already. But yeah, just um, if he does not win, like, you know, oh my gosh, what that'll look like. And it's just, yeah. yeah. All of these, you know, just um, like probability experts are running all of these, um, yeah, just, you know, models, prediction models, and like over half of the models like result in civil unrest and like violence in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how to talk about this, but I'm pretty convinced that that's where we're headed and I don't know what is going to happen or what any of us are going to do about that. Yeah, it's just like, man, with everything that's happened, I just feel like this crescendo and climax that we're approaching in the next week, like, there's got to, there's, I don't know, I just feel like some crazy shit is going to go down. It has to, like, yeah. all of this kind of just ends simply. It also depends on how wide the margin is, like, on the election, you know, like, if it's like, I'm guessing that if it's like a scenario where Biden wins like by a really huge margin, I think like it, I don't know what there is to dispute, you know? I was also reading today that the amount of uh, uh, election mail that UPS has processed is 160% higher than 2016, wow. you know, which is insane. And it also makes me a little bit like hopeful, but in a very, you know, I don't know. Like a cautious. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder if that's, that means anything. Yeah. I can not see the office if there's like a clear, if it's not like a Gore Bush situation, you know, where they have to like. I don't know. I think there's like, I mean, I'm there with you. Very cautiously optimistic. I do suspect that if it's a landslide, they're just going to be like, these numbers aren't even possible. Like, this margin is clear evidence of, like, they're just, they're liars. Yeah, no this matter what, they do. Try yeah, can. they just yeah. lie all the time. Yeah, I, this is, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen any more than anyone else does. It's going to be terrible, though. Or not. Maybe something very cool will happen. I'm Natalie Saud, um, and I'm here with my husband, James Cobb, and we live in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, we live here now after having been in New York City uh, myself for the past 13 years. So this election has represented a big change for us um, in a lot of ways. I think, obviously... Most people feel the weight of this election, but for me, I've also had the added 
weight of voting in an area that's pretty split down the middle, which isn't an experience that I've had before. Coming from a primarily liberal area to an area that's more split has definitely been really eye-opening and, you know, challenging in a lot of ways. But I also think it's been good in a lot of ways because it's helped me to be more realistic about the way our country is actually split and the really wide range of views people can have. But as for voting itself, the process was really easy. It was there's early voting here in Florida, so we went on the first day of early voting. We were in and out in I would say under 15 minutes. Um, you know, everyone was socially distanced, everyone had masks, and yeah, we didn't see anything suspicious or um, or shady going on, so that was good. Um, and I think you know, obviously. Probably a lot of people will say this, but it felt like the most significant time voting of my lifetime. And I felt definitely this strong sense of civic pride after having voted. It felt like I was finally able to do something about all the things I've been feeling for the past four years. So, yeah. Yeah, I I have similar sentiments. I've never lived in Florida before, so I actually expected there to be um, more of... Of a, sh- of a shift in what I saw in Jacksonville to be kind of like more Republican uh, than Democrat, but there has been more of an e- even split. Uh, we've seen people on the sides of the road kind of like waving uh, with their different um, with their different Republican and, and Democrat signs um, to show people there who they're supporting. So, it's definitely been a little bit more surprising to see how uh, how differently the um, the electorate is here, and I think for the most part we've felt safe voting um, and wanted to vote early in order to make our v- ballots count for election day. Hello, my name is Sienna Campbell. I am recording from Charlotte, North Carolina in Mecklenburg County. I am presently at East Mecklenburg High School. And as we are in the season of COVID, the school is basically empty. All students are um, taking their classes online right now. But I am at one of the early polling sites. It is a 70 degree sunny day. Uh, It's fairly empty. It's the middle of the day. It's about noon on a Tuesday. Fairly uneventful process. They did give us these nice pens to commemorate our voting this year. So I've completed my voting. I'm just watching people as they make their way in. I will say that there is a sense of earnestness in people as they make their way towards the gymnasium. At the moment, there is a couple... And looks like the father is pulling out a stroller. Oh, this is nice. The wife is helping an elderly woman out the back. And so it appears that we're about to have three generations voting together. So the child in the stroller, the parents and the grandparent. And yep, they're slowly making their way up. There's also a gentleman that is being helped out of a van it looks like he's in a wheelchair but he has 
committed himself to getting here. And so he's on his way into the gymnasium. But otherwise, it was a pretty straightforward process. As I said, most people are fairly determined as they walk towards the gymnasium and and there's a sense of completion and, and almost pride as they're walking out now, as I can see. And that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm sure the feeling across the United States is similar, but here from Charlotte, North Carolina, our own voting participation scenes. I'm Mario from Brooklyn. To tell you the truth, I don't like none of the candidates, but but like the law said, you got to vote, so I just come and vote. And I don't feel comfortable, but like I said, it's the law, I got to do it. You know, to be like, to be an honest citizen, you know, nice citizen, you just do it. That's the reason I did it. But I don't feel comfortable doing it because really like, politics is not my thing. You understand? I don't care about it, really. Because like all of, like I know all of them is just promises, promises and, the fulfillment, you understand? And that's what I feel. That's the way I feel about it. You understand? My name is Yesenia Mata, and I'm the executive director of La Colmena, a day labor and immigrant rights organization on Staten Island, New York. I identify myself as Mexican-American, Latina, and Chicana. I think Chicana mostly because that is a term that is used in Chicago. You know, to say that we're prideful of being Mexican-American. I was born and raised in the south side of Chicago, and then I ended up moving here in Staten Island, New York, where I now uh, vote. And, well... Every time I'm very excited to go out and vote because my husband comes and joins me. And even though my husband is unable to vote, I always cast my vote on behalf of him. And this time around, uh, unfortunately, um, he wasn't here with me. He's currently on his pre-deployment training. And it was a bittersweet moment because, you know, I was... Very excited to vote this time around because this is a very important election, especially for our immigrant community. And I wanted to cast that vote and then go outside and meet my husband. And like we always do, we always go vote. Well, I go vote, <laughs> but we always say we vote because I go vote on behalf of him. And then I walk outside and he's there and then we both hug each other and we say we voted. And you see it really... Um, hurts me because even though he's serving this country even though he's in the military he is still not given his citizenship and he's still not able to vote and I just find that very unfair so today when I went to vote I went to vote on behalf of my husband I I, I voted for the person that I know will best represent my husband so I would say that my voting experience, thankfully, there wasn't um, too much of a wait. I went very early. Um, the process went smoothly. It was just very sad because he was not there, my husband. I just hope that whoever gets elected 
um, does recognize the existence of our immigrant community. And I say whoever gets elected, whether it is on a national level, but as well on a local level, you see local elections are very important because those are the ones that have direct impact. So I just hope that this time around, our immigrant community is heard, that my husband is heard because they deserve to have the same rights that we do. Hi, my name is Molly and I am here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I voted probably a little under two weeks ago. I had signed up for absentee ballots for both the general and primary elections. So two Thursdays ago, I brought my ballot with me to work. It, it ended up uh, being a day full of sleet and freezing rain because that was kind of the couple of days where we were getting like a lot of snow for mid-October in Minnesota. So yeah, I just walked up to the, they had a tent outside one of the buildings kind of in the, kind of like the main quad area, put my ballot in the box, got an I Voted sticker, got a, 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 an orange and pineapple flavored sucker, thanked the volunteers. There wasn't really anyone else out, but again, that might just be because of the freezing rain. I, this is also the first time I've ever voted via absentee ballot. So that was an interesting process. I liked that I could kind of sit with my ballot for a little while. I think I was a little bit more thorough with my research of, you know, like school board votes. Um, Didn't have to think too hard about the presidential ballot. Uh, But I think overall it was, it felt pretty similar to other voting experiences that I had in that it was like a little bit more mundane than I anticipated it being. I think that's always the case. You build up something so big in your head but at beyond all of the like symbolic nature and you know participating in the the political process and all that you're kind of at the end of the day just sticking a piece of paper in a box and that like exists alongside the like doing your civic duty of voting hi my name is Mary Pat Hank and I'm from Madison Wisconsin I'm a nurse and I'm a healing touch certified practitioner I'm a mother I'm a wife I'm a grandmother And I feel it's very important to vote. I usually like to vote in person, and the polling place is only a half a block from our house. My husband and I usually walk to the polling place after work, and we run into neighbors and friends, and it's it's usually a pretty enjoyable experience. But this year, because of the coronavirus and because I just turned 65 in September, I felt it was safer to vote by absentee ballot. My brother and wife have done that in the past, and they said it was simple. So I, I, um, I had to register to get an absentee ballot, and I was a little nervous filling it out because I didn't want to make any mistakes because I'd heard if you'd done if you did that, your vote wouldn't count. Um, and I really wanted my vote to count. My husband works for the city of Madison, so he took my ballot to the city clerk's office a couple of weeks ago. And then I was able to go online and make sure that they, they had received my ballot. I was quite relieved when I could see that they had received my ballot. Because I'm excited, um, 
And I'm voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because I think they will help this country build back better. My name is Vivian and my pronouns are she, her, and they, them. Uh, This year I voted by mail because um, it was easier for me and it made sense because of the pandemic. And it really was uh, fantastic and easy for me, um, especially because I am trans and my legal name is still my dead name. And so being able to vote by mail meant that I didn't have to deal with anyone potentially dead naming me when I went to go vote or, you know, people who might say, who might try to reject my ballot because my presentation isn't the same as what's on my ID. So that felt really good. Um, It also was just felt good to actually have a moment where I could vote this year against our current president and be able to take what feels like an actual step forward, hopefully. Um, I think I'm really worried about the election this year, not just because of the results, but because of what will happen no matter what, no matter who wins. I'm especially concerned about transgender and non-binary people being able to vote this year. I think there are so many states where it is difficult to update your your identification documents and it is hard to make sure that folks in those states are able to still vote when so many states still require voter ID. And it's just scary when you're trans and going going to the polls, especially if it's early on in your transition or if you don't have updated documents and about Um, I think about one third of trans people don't have any updated documents. And so it's a really scary moment to really think about to go to the polls and to potentially have your vote challenged just because of who you are, because of what you look like. And so I'm really worried about trans folks and making sure that people are able to vote. And that's why we did the Trans Voter Protection Hotline. We created this because trans people need a space to actually call in speak to other trans folk or trans affirming allies and be able to say, this is what happened to me. Is that okay? And then be able to send them back to go vote or be able to get them to other resources. I am a U.S. citizen born in Columbia and currently living in Massachusetts. Today is November 3rd, 2020. And even though it's fall in New England, it feels like we are in the dead of winter. It is very cold or so it seems. It's 8.20 p.m. on election day, and outside seems very quiet, more than usual. I can feel the pressure and the anxiety of the elections. The last few months have been jammed, packed with uh, messages about voting and how important this election is. And despite all the information out there, it did not persuade me to vote. I feel I have lost all confidence in the U.S. government, or any government for that matter, and I doubt I will ever get that back. My name is Seth, and we're here behind the Brooklyn Museum where people uh, arrive once they've finished voting. I voted on Friday. I voted early. Um, It was super easy. I came in the middle of the rainstorm on Friday thinking that it would be a shorter line, and it was. There was no line. They were so organized the poll workers were so sweet they all had paper towels to like immediately hand you to dry your hands so you wouldn't wet your ballot um i was like really impressive and heartwarming i always get excited to vote i like and i love voting my mom brought me like growing up every time she went to vote um and
and I, as we walked up my heart was like racing in a good way and I was so excited and also nervous I had to like look over my ballot five times and make sure I like circled everything correctly had like elementary school anxiety of like doing the bubble correctly you know and um, then like once I did it I gave my partner like a big hug and we were like okay we did like that was it you know we did it okay <laughs> Hi, I'm Chancy Fleet, and I'm a tech educator. I'm sitting in my home office in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. My polling place is Our Lady of Perpetual Help. I identify as blind, and from the moment I got there, I was perpetually helped in all the wrong ways. No sooner did I cross the threshold of the polling place than someone saw me and my guide dog and said, no dogs allowed, and another poll worker had to set them straight. Then they assigned me to the best person ever to go through the socially distanced line. He let me know exactly when I should move up and how much. He stayed six feet away and he chatted with me about his experience working the polls. I really appreciated that worker. However, when I got up to the counter, they asked me to sign and I reached out to locate the tablet and from the other side of the counter came this hand, which just five finger grabbed me around the wrist and of course I flinched and they said, it's only me. I'm only helping you. And I said, but we're in a pandemic. Please don't touch. So I signed and they paired me up with someone new to go to the ballot marking device. If you haven't seen one of these, the ballot marking device lets you feed your ballot in through a little slot. And then you can use headphones and hear text to speech and use a small keypad to go through your selections in the language of your choice at the speed of your choice. I remember doing legislative advocacy with my civil rights organization, the National Federation of the Blind, to mandate these devices at every polling place, and I'm so happy that they're there. But I got a little distracted from my voting experience. The person who accompanied me really wanted to make sure the machine was working, and he decided to break social distance. He seemed really close, and I asked just to be sure, and he told me that he was two feet away. That's not going to work, I said. I need you to back up. I need six feet. And he said to me, okay, but I want to make sure I can help you vote. And I had to say, I want to make sure I'm alive to vote again. Literally, I had to ask him 10 to 15 times to give me some space. I don't think he could actually see my screen, but he was definitely close enough that I was worried about the virus and a little bit worried about my privacy and feeling very distracted. The most memorable thing about my ex election experience will be this guy standing very close to me. But the accessible machine did work and I was able to cast an independent ballot and go submit it. And that's what I'm gonna focus on. We did a lot of work to get these accessible machines. We did a lot of work to teach other blind and disabled people how to use them. And I'm happy to see that those efforts have paid off. The effort of educating the public, including poll workers, on how to use descriptive language and think about consent when it comes to assisting people with disabilities, that's not something we can legislate. That's gonna take more years. Aloha, this is Kanoho Wailuku Helm calling from the island of Molokai. Just wanted to share a little bit about our voting process. Uh, we voted, my wife and I voted about a week and a half ago. 
we voted through the mail um, we voted for Biden we don't really think that Biden or Trump was the best choices of people to run the country but we think Biden better than Trump as far as the issue of Black Lives Matter on Molokai uh, it's not really an issue just because I don't know we kind of a melting pot of all different cultures and we love all kind of people so black lives brown lives white lives everybody matter over here but yeah that's just how we vote and we hope the best for the world and our people and for everybody and that's it love you guys over there in Brooklyn, aloha. Hello, Brooklyn. This is Matthew McFeely calling in from my new home in Vancouver, Canada. It's raining today, which I'm told will be the case a lot over the fall and winter here. I must confess that four years ago, I sat it out. I didn't like Trump, but I didn't feel moved to vote for Hillary either. Since then, however, I've started listening to the news, you know, the mainstream stuff, CNN, the New York Times, MSNBC, and I've learned a lot. Did Hillary face a primary challenger who began his campaign as a mere protest candidate, only to find his message so surprisingly popular that he came quite close to actually winning? And did Hillary do everything she could to spurn him and his masses of supporters? And did she further fail to even have ground campaigns in the foreseeably crucial states, an omission that might epitomize hubris? The answer to these questions is maybe yes, but never mind. What I've learned from four years of relentless reporting in the mainstream press is this. It was Russia that stole the election from Hillary. That dastardly Putin and his crackpot team of memesters, what aren't they capable of pulling off? Frankly, I wouldn't be so opposed to this great nation of ours under the next administration from going to war with Russia, just to put old Putin in his place. But I digress. Anyway, believe you me, I was not going to sit this one out, and my move to Canada was not going to stop me. It wasn't difficult to have an absentee ballot sent up here, and I'm proud to say that I tried to make things right this time around in 2020. I cast my vote for a write-in candidate, Hillary Clinton. My name is Winter Shank. I identify as she or miss. I reside in the Bedford-Stuyvesant area of Brooklyn. Four years ago today, I remember exactly where I was, what I did, and how I felt. That day is forever etched in my soul. That was the first time in my life that I was fearful being an African-American woman in the country in which I was born. 2020 has felt like the longest year in the history of recorded time. When the opportunity presented itself for me to vote early this year, I jumped on it. I did not want to deal with trying to vote on election day. On October 26, my early voting place opened at 7 a.m. After hearing about the long lines, I was determined to get there early enough to be one of the first people to vote on that day. The other part of my plan 
was to have my mom meet me closer to the time the polls opened so she could vote too. I set my alarm for 4.55 a.m. That morning, I made a cup of coffee with the last bit of leftover coffee in the refrigerator. I brewed a pot for my mom so that she would be able to grab a cup of coffee before coming to meet me at our polling place. I arrived at the polls around 5.45 a.m. and joined the line waiting to do my civic duty. By 6.10 a.m., the line for my polling place wrapped around the block. The polls opened at 7 a.m., and by 7.21 a.m., I had completed my civic duty. I walked away ecstatic that I cast my vote, but behind that was also fear and trepidation because there are a lot of parallels that I could make to 2016. The only real difference this year is that I am home and if things go wonky, I am surrounded by loved ones who will comfort me immediately. This year, I am going to follow the same model I followed four years ago. I'm going to go to the doctor in the morning, work from home for eight hours, watch the readout on MSNBC at 7 p.m., enjoy the 9 p.m. to 12 midnight block of Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, and hopefully get a good night's sleep. For my sanity's sake, I'm going to ignore all of the other crazy that will be taking place in newsrooms across the country. My only hope is that things will turn out different this time. I hope that you will exercise your right to participate in this and all future elections and that you have a plan for how you will handle all of the insanity that is coming. Stay safe, be strong, vote like the life of the person you hold most dear in your heart depends on it. Because in this age of COVID, it does. Thank you for listening. My name is Judith Prado, and I am a DACA recipient from Staten Island, New York. During these elections, I did not vote. Unfortunately, as a DACA recipient, you do not get the privilege to vote. On October 19, along with other Staten Island youth, we launched a campaign named Mi Voto, Nuestro Voto. My vote, our vote. The purpose of this campaign was to encourage kids of immigrant parents to vote. Not only to vote, but to give their families a voice. During these elections, I was reminded that I can't vote. Several times, I wished I could vote. But I do have friends and family members who can vote. They are my voice. Currently, I am at home with my parents and my two younger sisters. The polling sites will be closing shortly. And this does make make me anxious. I do not know what the outcome will be. But one thing that I do know is that my community and the Staten Island youth are ready. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the Latinx community was left at limbo. However, on Staten Island, the Latinx community did not wait for anyone to come and help. They stood up for each other and they supported each other. 
During this election, regardless of the outcome, the Lionx community is ready to fight for each other. The Lionx community is tired of being lied to, tired of the promises, and no matter what the outcome is, we will not be silent. The Staten Island youth will not be silent. The Staten Island youth is tired of seeing their parents, their immigrant parents, suffer. They're tired of seeing how this government has treated their immigrant parents. Tired of seeing that their family is often left out or often treated as a threat. As a DACA recipient, I am ready to remind this administration of the impact that the immigrant community has on this country. I am ready to remind this administration that I am here to stay. I go by railroaded underground, and I'm writing this from inside a petri dish of disease called prison. From nearly every cell and lip in this building, the election is being spoken about. Political debates rage on the tier about what four more years of Trump would mean for Black lives, or for some, what four years without Trump would mean for taxes and the economy. Whether people agree on who should be president, these tier debates always end with the same agreement. I wish I could vote. Placed on probation at 12 years old, the school-to-prison pipeline effectively disenfranchised me before I ever understood what a ballot box was. Now that it's 2020, with the George Floyd protests, the mishandling of COVID-19, during arguably one of the most important elections of our generation, I can't help but scream silently in these prison walls. Because as impacted as I am by these issues, my voice and vote will not be heard this election. So I, along with millions of others, will not, because we cannot, vote. Biden-Harris, 2020. Hey, it's Griff City here with some news, or should I say, about the election. So, here I have my Aunt Carol, who is a poll worker in New Jersey. I have a few questions for you. My first question is, do you like your job? I do. I love helping people uh, make sure they can vote. It's very important to vote, and so it's, uh, it's a good job to have. My second question is, how many people do you think are going to vote this year? I think in New Jersey, where I live, we're going to have a lot of people. Uh, everybody that was on the records of voting got sent a mail-in ballot. We can only vote by mail-in ballot unless you have a disability that you can't use a printed ballot. So mostly people who are blind would have to have it read to them. We're going to have so, so many people vote this year, which is wonderful because Everybody was sent a ballot, and it's easy to fill out and just mail in. It doesn't take you any time. Okay, so my third question is, are there new people to vote in? Yes, I think this year there will be a lot of new people. A lot of um, students are coming out and voting for the first time. 
uh, a lot of people that became citizens. The presidential election is always our most number of votes. We sometimes only get 30 or 40 percent of the people to vote in a regular election, but when a presidential election comes around every four years, we are over 70 percent. And this year, voting has already started in New Jersey, and they have millions of ballots in already, so I think there will be a lot of new votes. You can vote when you get your uh, driver's license. When you most people are 17 here, you can check a box and you're registered to vote. So it's very easy, and I think a lot of people will take advantage of that and vote this year. hope so. So my final question is, are there new rules to voting this year? Yes, in New Jersey, there's a lot of new rules. We can only vote by mail-in ballot, so unless you have a disability uh, that you can't uh, read the ballot, and then you have to go into a machine and it will be read to you. Headphones. Uh, you have to. If you come in, you um, sign a form. Even if you're doing a mail-in ballot and you want to drop it off that day, you have to sign a special form. Otherwise, you can drop it off at these ballot boxes. We were never able to vote early before unless you asked for that kind of ballot and you had to have a reason this year everybody votes that way so there's lots of lots of new rules and i think there'll be lots more votes well thank you for doing this with me um that was my final question uh thank you for listening brooklyn Brooklyn USA is produced by me, Sasha Mathias. And me, Emily Bogosian. And me, Shireen Barry. And me, Charlie Hoxie. And me, Carol Palmer. And me, Mayimi Sato. With help this week from Brick Radio Junior Correspondent Griff City, Taylor Cook, Lauren Germain, and all of the wonderful people who called in, left messages, emailed bits of tape, and stopped to talk to us on the street. And now, we want to hear from you. We want to know who you are and what keeps you tuned in to Brooklyn USA. If you wouldn't mind helping us figure that out, check the show notes for a link to our listener survey. And as always, if you want to tell us a story or contribute to the show in any way, check the show notes for a link to our handy guide on how. And if you like what you hear or think we got something wrong, comment, like, share, and subscribe, and follow at BrickTV on Twitter and Instagram for updates. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org radio. I'm going to ask her a few questions, and then we'll be done. My first question is, what do you think the Electoral College is? Um, I think it's probably a school. I think it's probably a school. Okay. Uh, my next question is, um, how old do you think you have to be to vote? Um, maybe like six? Yeah, six. I think six. I think you have to be six to vote. Ooh. Okay, and my next question is... 
name any presidents, Madeline? Millard Fillmore. Is that your only one you can name? Donald Trump. Okay. And my final question is, why is it important to vote, Madeline? Because I think it's important to vote because voting is more better than the staring at screens. Election Night in America, brought to you by Borat, subsequent movie film, an Amazon original movie.